Empowered Life Podcast. It's been a while since I have put out an episode, and there's a good reason for it. I have been head down working hard on a book that I have um, been in the process of writing over the last little bit, and this last little while, it's been kind of go, 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 and get stuff done, and trying to get it published and all that kind of stuff. And it's just been, it's been an amazing process to actually go through and look at myself as a writer. There's been a lot of learning and a lot of growth in that. And I feel like the end product is turning into something pretty good. This book that is going to come out of this is called The Generosity Experiment. And it chronicles the list lessons and the principles that were vital in my generosity experiment and shaped has shaped a lot of what I believe today. Today, I want to talk a little bit about the current events of, of the day and how what I've learned in my generosity experiment has applied to it and and what it can do for your perspective right now there the big talk on all the news stations social media everywhere is this thing that happened in charlottesville we had the alt-right it's called a unite the right event where you had white nationalists, white supremacists, all different stripes of people gathering together to protest against the removing of a Robert E. Lee statue. Robert E. Lee was the general of the Confederate Army. Many people believe that the war, the civil war that took place in the United States was a race war. It was it was about slavery or you know, either keeping slavery or the emancipation of slaves. The North fighting for the emancipation of slaves and the South fighting to keep slaves. There's many arguments as to whether the war was solely about slavery or about slavery at all, but it doesn't change the fact of the situation that it's created today. So this Unite the Right rally was going to happen in Charlottesville and they were going to um, march and then rally around this statue of Robert E. Lee. Well, in opposition to that, the Antifa, is anti-fascist group, was going to also do a counter-protest to protest against these white nationalist Unite the Right event. And you can imagine that tempers would flare. Today, I want to just talk about collusion. What is collusion, you might ask? How does it work in this scenario? Well, collusion is where two people are inviting each other basically into a fight. The way that that's done is 
I might be in collusion with somebody who I disagree with. So, for instance, if I have a friend who is always making fun of me, I see him as somebody who makes fun of me. I see the making fun. I see the jokes, the sarcasm that he puts in place towards me. And so, in turn, what I do is I make fun of him back. Because he's making fun of me, so I make fun of him back. And in my mind, he's the one in the wrong because he's the one starting it. He keeps instigating it. As soon as I make fun of him back, he sees somebody who is making fun of him and justifying his actions of making fun of me in the first place. This is collusion. I look at this event that happened in Charlottesville and the tragedy of events that transpired where one of the per- people from the Unite the Right side drove his car into a crowd of people from the Antifa side and ended up killing a woman. Tragic event. And what I see is these two parties, these Antifa group, is coming out in what they feel is a moral opposition towards something that they feel is morally disgusting, which is racism and white supremacism and the KKK and all this other stuff that is this other group is accused of being, which is justifiably so to come out and, and you think to be to come out in opposition of something like that, to stand toe to toe and tell these people they can't do what they want to do is completely justified. But the problem is when we act in defiance of those people and we do something, we need to ask ourselves this question. Is the thing that we are doing to stop the thing that we don't want to happen going to invite the party on the other side to do it more or to do it less? I would argue that going and doing a counter-protest standing in the face of these people who are doing something that is grotesque and disgusting is going to be inviting them into this collusion pattern to do more of the thing that you don't like. So if the thing that you are really after is to get them to stop doing the thing that you don't like, maybe standing in their face and shouting and throwing stuff at them is not the way to go about the situation. All that's going to do is invigorate them. And invite them to do more of the same thing that you don't want. This is what a classic case of collusion looks like. One of the examples that I want to talk about in this scenario is somebody who had every excuse that's given today to act in violence towards somebody who was being perpetrated. And that's that's Martin Luther King and, and really all of the people that followed Dr. King in the civil rights movement. The further we get away from that time, the more I have respect and admire Martin Luther King. And not just as the fact that he was able to pull together a movement, but the restraint that he was able to show through his leadership. He understood something about the human condition that very few in history ever have. Perhaps 
it was his experience that gave him this perspective, or maybe he was just born with it. I don't really know, and it doesn't really matter. But in a time when violence seemed to provide the most effective solutions and the best answers, he preached love. In a time when temptation to react was at an all-time high, he chose pro- proactively to preach compassion and even empathy. Martin Luther King preached empathy for the black people of that time that were oppressed and abused and murdered and killed and enslaved by the system, by the governmental system that was was instituted, the segregation, all that stuff. He taught empathy. He wanted his people to have empathy for the people that were oppressing them. Think about that for a second. Like, not only did he not preach violence and to do back the same things that were being done to them, he preached empathy to stand in their shoes. That is a crazy thing to preach, especially in this day and age, to be able to stand up on a stage and say, hey, let's think about what these white premises might be going through. And let's love them. Wow, that's the most politically incorrect statement I've ever heard. Martin Luther King preached that all the time. The hate we face today is no less than the hate they faced back then. We like to give ourselves a pass and say, well, it's different today. Well, it's not any different. In fact, back then it was probably more apparent and more there was probably more excuses to fight violence with violence back then and the things that were happening to those, the... African-Americans back then than there even is today. There's a special danger that lies in the temptation of feeding the beast of hate by rationalizing our anger in a way that makes violence in any form okay. It's ever-present today, and it's just as relevant now as it was in the time of Dr. King. One of my favorite quotes by Dr. King, and I actually use this in the Generosity Experiment book. It was given on the steps of a Baptist church in Montgomery, Alabama. He said, this is an extremely difficult command, far from being a pious injunction from a utopian dreamer. This command is an absolute necessity for the survival of our civilization. Yes, it is love that will save our world, and our civilization love, even for our enemies. Love is a very powerful weapon, but today it's seldom used. It's been seldom used in the history of the world. That's why people like Gandhi and Bob Marley and Mother Teresa are such heralded figures of history because it's not common. Using love as a weapon is not a common tool of choice. It's because it doesn't appeal to our pride. It doesn't gratify that. It does the exact opposite. Which leads me to believe that there's some kind of thing that we desire that comes from collusion. 
ask yourself that. When have you been in an argument and you keep doing the thing that feeds the other person to keep giving you back the thing that you don't want? Is it justification that you need to feel hurt, to feel victimized? Is it the justification that you need to be able to hit back? What is it that causes us to be in collusion? Because I believe it's different for everybody. But just like in this case in Charlottesville, we've got so caught up in blaming who is more right and who's more wrong and who's to blame and who's not to blame that all sides have become blinded as to what the right answer actually is. I really think we all want peace. Even the ones that are preaching hate, I think they want peace. I think they want to live a happy, peaceful life. That's really, if you sit down with them and ask them what the root core of their life is to be, they want that. That's what they want. But there's so many from another side. Now, I'm not blaming people that are hated. But what I am saying is the reaction that we give to something that we don't like is going to dictate how much more of it we get. One of the greatest insights that Martin Luther King had was to tell his followers that the racist enemies that are persecuting you are damaged human beings. Have empathy for them. They're damaged. These people that need to treat you this way are damaged people. Whether it's out of insecurity or whether it's out of experience, whatever it may be, to have a position that somebody is less than you because of the color of their skin is a damaged perspective. It's a damaged philosophy. Empathize with them. He taught his people that they had the power to liberate them from their own damaged souls. And that by following the path of love, they would be giving them the opportunity to become fully human. He was preaching compassion, empathy towards his, the people that were oppressing and attacking and abusing an entire race. He was teaching this. And it wasn't just because Martin Luther King was an ostrich who was sticking his head in the sand and wanted to just preach love and didn't want to get his hands dirty. He knew in his time, the stakes were high. This, there was a lot going on in the civil rights movement. There was a lot of oppression. A lot of the quality of life was the, at its very core was threatened by the perception that was commonly held of that, in that time of race relations. He wasn't just a utopian dreamer. He didn't just, love is not something that was just used as an idea. Because when it was implemented, when love is implemented, when empathy for the other side is implemented, it's not negating them of the blame that is deserved. But what it is doing is it's holding yourself accountable for the feelings that you have. Regardless of who else is to blame and who else has any, you know, is 
has to account for anything else that's going on in the situation. When you hold yourself accountable for the feelings that you feel and for the actions that you create, and you are a true agent unto yourself to act instead of to be acted upon, like this, this Antifa group was with this white supremacist group, they use, well, these are white supremacists, so our actions to invite them to continue to do these things that are disgusting or justified is complete bogus. They're not. Anytime you enter into a collusion, anytime you justify your actions, the actions that are inviting somebody else to keep giving you the exact same thing that you don't want, they're never justified. And as soon as you hold yourself accountable to that, you will start getting more of what you want from the people in your life. It's as simple as that. In order to get what we want, we have to break the cycle of collusion. We have to stop giving them a reason to give us the thing that we don't want. Whether it's in a personal relationship, whether it's race relationships in a country, or whether it's a a relationship at work, it doesn't matter. As long as we continue to invite somebody to give us the thing that we don't want, we're going to be getting it. The only common denominator in all of your interactions in your life, in all of the experiences that you're having, the only common denominator is you. That's it. It's you. And so really the only truly way that we can level up our lives and experience a better experience on this earth is to hold ourselves accountable. Not to blame ourselves for situations that we don't hold blame for. I'm not asking you to, to, this isn't a blame the victim mentality. This isn't to say, you know what, I'm going to blame the rape victim for being raped. Not it at all. But ask yourself, does blaming the rapist and having him convicted in a court of law and assign him 100% of the blame... Does that give the victim any future solace that their life will be better, that it won't happen again? Does it give give any indication of retribution or any kind of uh, reinstatement of their ability to live a healthy life? It doesn't. Blame did nothing. All it did is said, okay, that person from an outside thing that I had no control over did something bad to me. But the second we take accountability for our actions, we can then avoid things that happen to us that we don't want to happen to us in the future. Now, I'm not saying there are things that people do that are against our wills and that we can't control. I'm not saying that you can control what somebody else does. But what I am saying is that you can hold yourself accountable to make your experiences that you have in life a lot more in your control. We want to place blame instead of be accountants. Anytime that we place blame 
for our circumstances. We're putting the solution outside of ourselves. If I want to blame the government, they're the ones that hold the keys to my happiness. If I'm going to blame the racist next door, he's the one that holds the keys to my happiness. If I'm going to blame the media, if I'm going to blame the president, if I'm going to blame whoever, I'm giving them the keys to my life. And in all reality, they don't hold the keys. I do. So I'm sitting there stranded holding the keys to my own freaking car when I place blame on people. But as soon as I hold myself accountable and I said, you know what? I don't want to go in that place. I hold myself accountable for the feelings I have. You know what? Instead of hating this person and standing in their face and throwing a rock at them, I'm going to stand there and I'm going to love them. What are you inviting back into your life from that group? What are you inviting back into your life from the racist next door? There's examples of it all over the place. Martin Luther King is one of the shining examples of it, but they exist all throughout our history and you probably see it exist in your own personal life. My advice is to, is to encourage you to see those examples. Actually see them. Start to apply it. And if you can't apply it in heated emotional topics like race relationships or you know things that are that seem to stir up a lot of emotion, start with your kids, start with your spouse, start with your parents, start with your family. Notice situations when you're in collusion with other people. Notice that. And start to invite a different action back to you. You might have to sacrifice pride a little bit. That's okay though, right? Because if sacrificing your pride actually gets you to your end goal, that's the whole idea. Problem is, we let our pride drive us. And we get so committed to the car that we chose to drive, this pride car, and we let it take us off our path. We let it take us off where we really want to go. And that's a tragedy. So be more, be more vigilant about your actions, about what you say. If you're posting on social media, if you decide to comment on some ignorant post by somebody defending a white supremacist or the Antifa group who was throwing rocks and being violent or whatever it is, when you have the urge to fight, ask yourself, what am I inviting? And what kind of peace would that bring into my life? Thanks for listening today, guys. I sincerely appreciate you spending the time to listen to this today. If you enjoyed this content or any of the other episodes, I would love it if you would um, click subscribe and even leave a review, leave a comment. And I hope to talk to you next time. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Empowered Life Podcast. Feeling inspired and want more of Jason? Be sure to visit jasonlinford.com or come say hi on Facebook at Coach Jason.